It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start the show, we had previously advertised that Mitch Holtis would be on today's show. Unfortunately, wow. something came up. He will not be on today's show, but he'll be on with us next week. So if you're looking to refund your te- tickets, you have two matches. <laughs> and after two matches, you got to save for the entire show. You just have to. It, you, you're already shaky credibility is really taking a dive today, buddy. Yikes. I remember being at a wrestling show one time, and at the beginning of the show, they're like, you know, card is subject to change, but Rey Mysterio will not be here. And everybody was like, oh, God! Oh! I can't. <laughs> but John Cena was there. and Oh, yeah. Smattering of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right? awesome. That's awesome. Oh, it is a busy show today. Um, three interviews huh? today, including in the spot of Mitch Holtis. Pretty decent substitute since South Dakota will be the opponent uh, on Saturday. South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer is going to join us at 440. Curry Sexton is back for another season of K-State football. He's usually Thursdays, but we had to switch with DUI. DUI is going to be in studio in the second hour tomorrow. So Curry Sexton with us at 510 and joining us now. It's been a minute, but it's a pleasure. From the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, it is Kellis Robinette. Follow him on Twitter. At Kellis Robinette. Now, Kellis, before we jump into the sports, I'm actually going to hand the first question over. I'm Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. <laughs> uh, David G is going to get the first question here. And I thought it was a really interesting question brought up on the K uh, Rock Morning Show today. Kellis, so this is, this is I don't know. You might be, you might be a little angry. You're going to have to, have to really dig deep for this one. Uh, would you rather have to live through a actual like Walking Dead scenario or Jurassic Park? Which one do you choose, <laughs> and, and why? <laughs> that, that is a great question. <laughs> um, I've watched a lot of both shows, so I think I'm actually qualified to do this. I would say probably, oh. Maybe the zombie apocalypse. I've spent more time watching those shows. I feel like I'm an expert, more of an expert on how to um, get rid of zombies than I am get rid of dinosaurs. You know, in Jurassic Park, they never really show any of the humans um, actually getting rid of the dinosaurs or killing the dinosaurs. I was just running away from them or getting eaten. In the later movies, there's one guy who can train raptors. I don't know how to do that, so I'll, I'll go zombies. I at least know how to take out a baseball bat and hit somebody over the head with it. See, the majority of the people I heard on the on the K-Rock Morning Show today that were calling in were saying the zombie apocalypse, the walking dead. Because uh, you know, it's people, right? They're dead people. You shoot them in the head, they're done. Uh, I see I, dead people. I had I had a drive home, and if you ask Willie Nelson, when you're driving, that's when you get your best thinking done. Mm-hmm. I started really thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather live Jurassic Park because like half of the dinosaurs are good dinosaurs. They're huge. They're gymungous. If you get killed by a dinosaur, it's probably really quick. It's going to be a dramatic death. Uh, everybody's going to remember how you went down and people were the, to witness it. Eclipse. Boom. But with The Walking Dead, it's an apocalypse. I mean, it's the end of society. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's no structure anymore. It's the survival of the fittest. 
you have no electricity probably, unless you're a doomsday prepper with a ton of ammo and you're not a wimp. You're uh, you're in big trouble. You know, it's just well, either way. I, I take a. I have to take my quote from Jurassic Park. Life uh, uh, finds a way. So you would just make it work. It's just di- a dino is gonna get you. But for me, I would die by Walking Dead style. Like a zombie would just be around the corner, and I wouldn't notice him, and then he'd bite me in the neck and be unexciting. At least a dino, it would be exciting and cool how I would go. Like, you know, he he went fighting the Triceratops. It'd be cool. So I'm going Jurassic Park, too. Troy, I'm, can you shoot? Uh, yes, I can shoot, but I would prefer to have, uh, honestly, to have a bulldozer <laughs> or a scoop shovel. Because then I could go after the zombies and turn those into a power source. Just start scooping them up, you know. Oh a pa- what do you mean power source? Well, you mentioned no power. I mean, come on, we could find a way to burn bodies oh of zombies. Gosh. No, that's Guys, not how it have works. you seen the news? The zombie apocalypse is here. Troy's like, I got to find me a bulldozer. I, <laughs> I, I can't get I'm, one right I'm, now. I'm thinking out of the box here, man. Oh I'm, I'm looking for the new, the sorry, new power. Kellis, I'm All right, sorry. Kellis. Uh, Hayden Gillum mentioned yesterday <laughs> that uh, Culver's <laughs> has reached out to him about uh, maybe a partnership with Culver's. Shouldn't it be time that Waterburger, you and Waterburger, set something up? You give them a ton of free <laughs> oh advertising. Yeah. I mean, I would gladly um, enter into any NAL deal that Waterburger uh, wanted for me. I would do it for product. I would. Uh, they would not have to give me much. Uh, a gift card, whatever. <laughs> I would gladly do it. Um, I tell you, I'm a little surprised with, with Whataburger coming kind of close to the area in Kansas City, and they got plans for Wichita. He should be going out and trying to do a deal with, like, Deuce Vaughn. He, like, he likes Whataburger. He's talked about it. Get some Texas guys on the team to uh, sign up for it. And um, Yeah, I'll be their hype man. I'll go around and uh, help them promote it and eat it with them. I'd, I'd be happy to do that. See, I'm a bad Whataburger fan. I haven't been to any of the new ones in Kansas City yet. Have you? I've been to the one at the Legends. Um, I went there the weekend it opened. The line was a little long, even as, as much as I liked Whataburger. I didn't like standing around 30 minutes for it, but yeah, it was good. It was tasty. I'm hoping, uh, hoping the next time I go back to the line, uh, a little bit closer to what you get at like a Chick-fil-A or something else. But yeah, no, I've been, it was a good experience. It tasted just good. the same, so I love it. Let's talk about these cats here. They play in three days against South Dakota. So at quarterback, and I brought this question up to the boys yesterday, that a K-State quarterback has not thrown for more than 12 touchdowns since Jake Waters in 2014, and I think he threw for 22. Do you think Adrian Martinez is going to be the guy that breaks that streak? Well, so pretty much uh, the proposition is if he gets one or more a game, he gets it, right? So we're just looking to be 12. Mm-hmm. Um I think, yeah, I think he can do it. I think he's got enough wide receivers at his disposal this year, plus Deuce Vaughn and Sammy Wheeler at tight end. I think he can do it. Um, the last couple of years, we've had a offensive coordinator in uh, Manhattan who really valued um, the quarterback running in uh, touchdowns. That always seemed to be kind of the go-to under Courtney Messingham is that they were within five yards. It was a quarterback keeper or some kind of play like that. That's how they got a lot of their touchdowns. Um, and, you know, maybe Colin will feel, Colin Klein will feel the same way with Adrian Martinez. He's a great runner. Um, give, give him the ball on that direct snap and um, go hat for hat with 10 blockers. Maybe that's the way they want to go. But I, I think there's going to be more opportunities for uh, passes outside, uh, you know, that distance. 
And I, I think uh, as much as Adrian has talked about wanting to be more of a passer this year, I think he's going to want to show that he can he could do that to NFL scouts. So, yeah, I, I think he goes over. And I really like Malik Knowles, Philip Rose, Kate Warner. I think he spreads the ball around and uh, gets closer to 15. That would be my guess. And if there's anybody, when it comes to offensive coordinators, that values running the quarterback to score touchdowns, it's Colin Klein. That was his Heisman campaign in 2022, <laughs> those rushing touchdowns. <laughs> It was, um, but I can tell you when he uh, when he finished his junior season rushing 331 times, or maybe it was 311. I get those two numbers mixed up. Um, he did not love that. So if he can <laughs> if he can keep Adrian's numbers down <laughs> below uh, the school record, I think that's what he wants to try and do. Yeah, just ask Colin how banged up he was, how sore he was uh, during a week after uh, a game was mm-hmm. played after taking all those hits. Um, okay, so let's go to the defensive side of the football for a moment. Uh, I was reading one of your articles about your your bold predictions, and you brought up Nate Matlack and how he could become a star on defense. And I, I totally agree, but the question is, I, I'm very high on him this year, but what kind of numbers do you think that would take to maybe steal some of the spotlight playing opposite of Felix? Uh, I mean, for like people to say, like, boy, he had a better season than Felix, it would be a lot. Um, I mean, he'd be, probably need something like 10 sacks in that area. Um, I don't know if you can get quite that many, but I, I will say that we've seen in the last couple of years um, some good examples of uh, a young, up-and-coming defensive end um, really feasting on the opposite side of the line when he had a guy like um, Jordan Willis when mm-hmm. he was uh, a senior. Reggie Walker benefited from that. Um, Reggie Walker when he was a senior. Uh, Wyatt Hubert really benefited from that. And I think we saw when Wyatt Hubert uh, got older, um, guys like Felix and um, some other people on that line benefited from offenses really keying in on him, double-teaming him, wanting to keep him out of the backfield. I think you'll see that a little bit this year. Everybody knows who Felix is. He had the huge game last season, 11 sacks. Um, he's the defensive preseason player of the year in the conference for a reason. Stopping him is going to be a lot of teams' uh, top priorities. So I think that's going to open up some, some avenues, some opportunities for Matt Lack on the other side. And uh, I think it's possible that he could uh, – he could rival whatever numbers Felix puts up. Uh, but I say that, and you never know. Felix is so good, he might just come out and say, you know what, the heck with that prediction. I'm going to get 15 sacks on my own, and I look silly. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. I'm a big Nate Matlack fan from last year, that second half of last year. I just want to see also just K-State as a whole rise those numbers, raise those numbers uh, when it comes to sacks. They had 30 as a team last year, and over a third of those was from King Felix. Uh, Tim Tebow earlier today gave a shout out to Deuce Vaughn about being a um, one of his ten headlines entering the season and about how he has Deuce as like a dark horse for the Heisman. So where would you say, as a Heisman voter, Deuce Vaughn is on your radar? I mean, yeah, I think top ten is totally realistic. Um, he was a consensus All American last season. Associated Press. Uh, Voters um, who compiled the preseason All-American team this year had him right back in there again. Um, pro football focus loves him. Seems like every time what these analytical sites um, praise the college running back, Deuce Vaughn is uh, at the top or near it. So he, he's got um, he's got the national buzz right now. People know who he is after two really good seasons. And now that he's put up the numbers he has, um, I, I don't think he even needs to really blow up this year. He doesn't need something like 2,500, 3,000 total yards um, to be in the Heisman conversation. I think if he just does what he did last year, adds a little bit more to it, 
has a few more, you know, highlights to go viral. I think he could very easily end up in the top ten. Now, I think top five, top three uh, might be a little much to ask just because the players that typically end up there uh, are there for reasons that have nothing to do with how good of a player they are. It's because they play at Alabama. It's because they play at Notre Dame. It's because they're on a playoff team. It's because they play quarterback. They have all these inherent advantages that really have nothing to do with um, being the best player in college football. We don't even talk about defenders or linemen or anything like that. Um, but I think if you're just basing it on production and how good of a player he is, I think he is absolutely a dark horse player. And I, I won't be surprised at all if he gets the votes in the, in the Heisman, uh, on Heisman ballots for the season, though. We're speaking with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. So with the Big 12, it's been a topic this week on the show about how wide open the top half of the Big 12 feels. The, the top five teams that have been projected to finish there, any two of them could make the Big 12 championship game this year. But thinking preseason prediction, would you put K-State in Arlington? Uh, I would it, – it'd be close. Um, I think right now I would say they would finish second or third. Um, and it might depend, uh, you know, on a, uh, on a tiebreaker – whether they get there or not, but I would say just just barely, I would be no right now. I think I like Oklahoma a little better, Baylor a little better. I think Texas has a lot, slightly bit more upside, um, but they're right there with Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they're better than Iowa State. I totally agree when people say they're a dark horse team that could get there. Um, I was just talking to somebody else about this earlier today. We've seen a lot of other teams cycle their way through there with Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Maybe it is Kansas State's turn. Um, I would say I'd I, I, I like them more to finish third or fourth than first or second, but if uh, if a swing game goes their way, they could easily change. Well, the game Saturday kicks off at 6.02 against South Dakota. Uh, before we let you go, what's your prediction? Uh, that is a good question. I haven't totally settled on a score. Well, actually, uh, I think I put one in my prediction the other day. Um, I think I had it something like 30, 38, uh, 38, 13. Go with that. 38, 13 Wildcats. I think Colin Klein, uh, new offense coming. Everybody likes what Adrian Martinez does. South Dakota is an okay SDS team, but, um, there's one thing Chris Kleiman does better than anything else is beating SDS teams. We've got a 69 and 6 record against them. They'll be never 70 on Saturday. I'll tell you that much. All right, Kellis, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, stopping by and talking to us about the Cats, and I'll see you tomorrow when we hear from the coordinators. All right, Mitch, looking forward to it. Kellis Romanek, Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle here on the game. Coming up uh, in about 18 minutes, South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer will join us, plus Curry Sexton to kick off hour number two. But coming up next, we briefly talked about him. Deuce Vaughn spoke to the media. And what has he done to try to block out all of the positive things that have been said about him in the preseason on social media? That's next. It's the game with Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berkland is back after missing yesterday. I did, yeah. run into, I did run into him, though. He was working at the convenience store last Missing night. Missing yesterday. Stopped by and got some snacks. And... Dude, what, dude? I'm officially not doing Tuesdays and Fridays because oh. I got class. 
Well, we won't have a Friday show well, no, for wait, a while. Wait, wait, wait. You have class as a personal thing, but, I mean, that doesn't keep you from doing the show. Whoa! It, it runs bl- during the same time. Oh, 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 you mean you've got school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were saying you've got class. Oh. Because oh. you ain't got no <laughs> class. <laughs> I'm the classiest one in here. What are you talking about? Travion, man. Now, hold on just a second. Wow. We can really dig into who's trash uh-huh. and who's class around. I already, I am trash, bro. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I'm definitely in the I'm trash trashy. department. I am trashy. I mean, if we're, ca- I mean. It's a it's a two man race. Listen, I, I brush my teeth in the shower. I am trash. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, that's really funny. Kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> but but is that smarter, why, not harder? But is that why you're enjoying a shower beer? I've done shower beers. Oh, Who has? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm saying. Of course, Travion has, and he's not of legal age. He's never had a drink in his life. Never had a drink in my life. <clears throat> Let's talk Deuce Vaughn for just a moment. Yeah. Um, of course, hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn. Kellis Robinette says he is certainly on his radar for Heisman Trophy candidate. Tim Tebow said in his top 10 storylines for this college football season, mentioning Deuce Vaughn at like 7 or 8, I don't know, wherever it was. Actually, I have it pulled up right here. I can take a look at it. Uh, Tim, Tim Tebow said number 9, Deuce Vaughn, is someone you may haven't seen play. I think that's crazy, but the running back for K-State is worth the price of admission. Maybe check him out if you scroll past K-State on one of these Saturdays. I also recently picked him as my dark horse candidate for the Heisman Trophy. I've had the thought in my mind, so I I do see a competition of like a battle for who's going to be the best running back in the conference. It might be a week-by-week thing. I could see this becoming a national storyline. Deuce Vaughn versus B. John Robinson. B. John last year was getting a ton of praise. Yes. Deuce Vaughn in this offseason, if you ask Twitter, the experts on Twitter, uh, Deuce Vaughn has been getting, I think, the edge. But has like the national talking heads, those on ESPN, those on Fox, the Heisman voters across the country, who would they still give the nod to just from what they know in their noggin, even though if they don't watch Deuce or Bijan week by week? I still maybe think Bijan would have the edge. Mm-hmm. So Deuce does still need to impress those across the country, but it's not like he has to go above and beyond to make these Heisman plays take play. I mean, that's what he, I think that's just who he is. He makes these unbelievable plays. So does Bijan Robinson. But Deuce is more of an asset in the passing game. He is going to be more of the all-purpose yards type of player uh, this season in the Big 12, which is my opinion. uh, Bijan did have a slight edge in all-purpose yards per game last year, but also Deuce doesn't get hurt. It takes basically a freight train to Mm. hurt Mm. Deuce Vaughn. He he is going to be a full-season warrior. And so... A slight edge in the statistics you would hope would be enough. Might need just a little bit more than that. But I think as just fans of the game, I think across the country have realized Deuce Vaughn is the is legit. People around the country know who Deuce Vaughn is. I think Tim Tebow is a little bit off on that description. I appreciate him throwing in Deuce Vaughn in top 10 headlines. But I think Deuce Vaughn should be. Just as famous, and I think he is just as famous, and not more than Bijan Robinson. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, right? I, I mean, 
I don't think that outside of someone who loves college football, like Bijan, like, you know, that name I don't think rings a bell. I think Deuce Vaughn's name does ring a bell throughout college football. I think I think Tim Tebow's the last guy to be like, oh, you better check this guy out. I mean, he, Deuce Vaughn's, come on, man. He's been on everybody's list for two years now. I think it's odd that someone like Tim Tebow would go, hey, I don't know if you've heard of this guy. But he's a little bit of a gem, uh, you know, in the old Rose Garden. Well, and come on, man. You have to remember, Tebow's eye is on ES, er, uh, SEC. That's right. Every, all he watches is SEC. And well, we get a little scrap. We get thrown a little scrap. Right, like, exactly. You know, kind of the way ESPN runs nowadays. Yeah. Uh, Deuce Vaughn. Spoke to the media yes. yesterday, and uh, a lot of talk about, of course, the season that starts in three days. What's the workout regimen you focus on for the weight for the weight? Of course, I wanted to add some more weight this year. Uh, so that whether that was, I would go into the weight room, and uh, Coach Chu would have a specific workout for us uh, to uh, attack the upper body, lower body, and things like that. And you can also grab a little PB and J after uh, to make sure you got gain a little bit of weight. And I was able to do that. I was able to do that. So. Going into the season, I'm super excited. Uh, just from the mere, the fact of I gained weight, I was able to get some some speed. I was able to get some uh, some power and some things like that. Thanks to just this staff, uh, it was it was big time. Have you kind of meshed with Adrian Martinez so far, spring and summer? Uh, really well, uh, from just off the field and on the field. Uh, I feel like we get together almost after every single practice to, to work on something. Hey, what did you think about this right here during practice? Uh, okay, how do you feel about this handoff and things like that? Just to make sure that whenever we get out there on Saturday, it's, it's just good to go. It's ready to go, and we're going to go out there and play fast. What are the goals for this team this year? Man, we're going to be a whole bunch of dudes that are competitive every single week. Go out there and play our game, be disciplined, and just take our rules of fundamentals and go out there and play football. Uh, the wins and losses, man, it'll all take care of itself at the end. We're going to go out there and play our game. Um, like I said earlier, you feeling? Uh, I'm ready to go. Man, it's been, it's been a while since we got there and played in a, a low, I guess, a team-oriented uh, football game in front of the lights, so I'm super excited. Coach, talk about uh, the camp was a little bit different this year in terms of trying to keep you guys fresh and something you've always done. Um, did you notice a big difference in how they approach it? Yes, sir. Uh, whether that was making sure that we're taking care of our bodies, making sure that we're getting the right amount of sleep, making sure that our nutrition was straight, making sure that everything that we were going through throughout this fall camp wasn't going to make our body tear and fall apart as soon as we got to week eight, week nine, week ten. This was all. This is what it was all about, to make sure our bodies were fresh and good to go. But while we're still getting enough work to be able to say we feel good going into this week one. Okay, what's it like playing next day, Adrian? It's big time. Uh, having a, a guy that's dynamic like that next to you is pretty big. Somebody that understands football as well as really anybody on the football field just from the experience and everything that he's seen, man, it's something that whenever you line up next to him, you understand that, hey, this is a guy that's going to get it done with me. How cool is it been for you to play with a now an NFL quarterback and now probably another NFL quarterback? It's big time. Uh, you, you see the the things that Skylar Thompson is doing right now, and, man, it's it, inside this building it doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, man, he's somebody that has made a big impact on my life uh, as far as a football player and off the field, so I'm excited to see everything he's doing. And now with Adrian coming in, I see some similarities between them and uh, just the people that they are, the players that they are. Man, I'm super excited for this season for Adrian. One of the things we've talked about quite a bit today with other people is kind of the buzz around this team. Have you noticed it? I have. It's really hard to not notice, especially every time you, you open up a social media page, you see something, but something we try to tune out, understanding that you have to go and play this game and that things are going to be said no matter what, uh, but everything that you do every single Saturday is what's going to really determine uh, what happens. 
people talk about a, a locker room and a culture. Define that for me, how it applies to this program. Yes, sir, man. It's a whole bunch of guys in there that are compassionate, love each other, and are going to do anything for this bond, for this brotherhood that we've built here. And uh, this is my third year here at Kansas State, and to see that bond and that brother, that brotherhood build over the years has been super exciting to see. And now, I mean, it's seamless, and uh, it's something that's going to carry us throughout the season. I'm super excited. Is this offense going to be a little more uh, diverse, which means maybe Deuce touches it less since you were the rusher and receiver last year? Uh, we will see. Uh, it's one of the things that, I mean, I'll talk with Coach Klein every single day about uh, how we can get everybody involved, and that's something that if I have to be a decoy in some place to open up somebody else, I'm the happiest person in the world because we may score a touchdown. Uh, and I'm super excited for Coach Klein. I'm super excited for uh, this offense uh, playing behind him. He's someone I'm going to play for. I'm playing my heart out for, first and foremost. I feel like every single person on the side of the ball feels like that's it. Should you refer to him as Ring of Honor, Coach Klein? Uh, Ring of Honor. OC, one of the best players to come through Kansas State, man. He he, he embodies a whole bunch of titles, but there's one thing I want to get up under his belt is a, a Big 12 championship this year, so we're going to go out there and do that. Okay, give me the Deuce Vaughn thoughts on this defense. Them boys, I like I like everything that they've shown me throughout this, this fall camp, this summer. Uh, the way they communicate, the way they fly around, the way they play together, it's one of the things where, I mean, you'll get the ball and you'll be like, man, I don't know where to go. Uh, everybody's flying around, everybody's playing together uh, from the first level, second level to the third level. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, it's super exciting to see. I can't wait for them to cut it loose this Saturday. How have you seen the offensive line gel this, this year? Same way. Coach, Coach Riley does an amazing job getting these boys ready to go. Uh, for a football season, but to see them, and I mean, we have some guys that have been on this team for quite a bit of time now, so they know each other, they understand things, and the way that they talk together is unbelievable. Uh, whenever they come off the field, hey, did you see that right here, Bob? Why did you? Uh, what are you thinking right here? And things like that, just to come together and make sure that they're all in their piece and cues. Uh, super excited uh, to see exactly what they can do this year. Deuce, what do you see from DJ Giddens? He's a super, super talented and gifted kid. He's somebody that. It, it's starting to come together for him as far as mentally. It's one of the things that, I mean, he asks questions every single day about how he can how he can get better, how he can uh, see this and things like that. What would you see on that? Because the, the physical talents was always there. It was just getting the mental to the right spot for him to go out and play. And, man, the progression that he's taken over this past year has been unbelievable. I can't wait for him to get out there this Saturday. You mentioned on social media you guys try to shut out all the hype around the team, but specifically how tough is that for you because – Typically, is your picture or your name being mentioned on Twitter about the best in the country? Not super hard. I actually went dark on social media for about a month and a half, two months, uh, going into fall camp and things like that just to get off of social media and make sure I'm just pouring everything I can into getting ready for this season. And I feel like that was something that uh, I really needed uh, because I'd wake up every morning and all I was worried about was the task at hand, uh, whether that be uh, your breakfast, whether that be the, the lift that you had, the run that you had, the, uh, the treatment, the recovery that you needed. And it's something that really propelled me into this uh, season. I'm ready to go. Does Deuce Vaughn with the media. I, that, that last answer that he gave me about social media being off it for a, about two months <laughs> heading into fall camp. Smart man. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. Because think about somebody his age. You know, he's 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And just weaning yourself off social media because I could speak for probably all of us. Uh, when you have a, a minute of time for yourself. And you got your phone in your hand. I mean, just to kill time, what do we all do? We all do it now. Hop on. We're on phones, on social media, scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or whatever. It's just a natural go-to. But 
he's taken the steps to try to shut out anything that will uh, get into his head and build an ego. And that, I mean, for somebody at his status that we just talked about, potential Heisman candidate, the extra steps is grateful. I, I appreciate the hell out of that from Deuce Vaughn. He walks it like he talks it. You know what I mean? And that's refreshing to see somebody who's like, I know that getting getting gassed up and having people tell you you're awesome is not great for you. It's good in moderation, like we always talk about, but it's not great to just feed into that and to look at it and watch it all day. And to know that he went dark for it is just, he's such a good kid, you know, and not kid. I want to say he's a really smart young guy who's who, who has his head on his shoulders, a great head on his shoulders, and I can't wait for this season for this stuff to just come to fruition for him. It's great to watch. Really great. It's going to be an exciting year mm-hmm. with I, him. I mm-hmm. wanted to put a little bet on the table. So Troy, was, it looked like you were texting, or maybe I was going to. Yes. I was going to. Okay, so but, you're. But you know why I'm texting? You should be receiving that message right now. Well, okay, Ooh. so I, I was, I was going to say because you are, you use Twitter a lot. I do. And you, I mean, for sports, well, politics, it, whatever. Well, and the problem is, is when I was news director and sports director of a station, I was essentially on the clock. It felt like 24-7. I've seen Troy bury people. Oh, Twitter. stop it. I have seen him bury. Stop it. So, Deuce, don't get on Troy's bad side. <laughs> <laughs> when you hop back on Twitter, <laughs> if you get in the crosshairs, Coverdale's going to take Please you down. Please don't fumble if, the ball. If, don't, if, don't. If, you, if you think I bury people on Twitter, I've got some friends that will chat with you. <laughs> no, no. I don't want any of that smoke. I'm not any good at that. But I was going to bring up the bet. I know it's legal starting tomorrow, but yeah. like a practice bet. Um, I was going to have a little guess here. The uh, I was going to say an app mm-hmm. that Troy was just on. Would you take Twitter or the field? Oh, the field. Oh, okay. The field. I would take the field. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I, I officially was doing a search for a topic that you and I were discussing off air. And I'm going to look at that here in just a second. But before <laughs> I do, I need to tell you what's coming See, up next. Perfect excuse. Let's get to uh, a preview of the South Dakota Coyotes. They are visiting Manhattan on Saturday for a six officially 6.02 kickoff. It is a... Big 12 now on ESPN Plus broadcast. It's two minutes after the top of the hour. And uh, the play-by-play voice of the Coyotes, John Thayer, is next. It's hour one of the game. What is this? Definitely not your bed. Say that again. Little Uzi Vert. Little Uzi Vert. Yeah. You know him. Just heard the bird coming in. I've heard of him, yeah. Uh, let's get to our, our next guest. It is the play-by-play voice of the South Dakota Coyotes. We now preview South Dakota, who will be in here on Saturday to start K-State's football season. They are the first victim. I shouldn't say that. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> I did record this earlier. Hey, I did hey. record this earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, watch it. I know John John will be polite about that, but yeah. Well, they almost got KU last year, right? Mm-hmm. They almost got KU, but uh, we're now joined by... South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer, as I recorded this interview earlier today. John, last year, I know K-State fans were watching closely to the game last year in Lawrence to open up the season with South Dakota visiting KU. And the Coyotes were ahead with about two minutes to go, and KU scores a touchdown to win the ball game. But as a broadcaster, seeing that one slip away had to be tough. Well, it was tough because there were a couple of opportunities really to end it. You know, early on, South Dakota had a chance to have a really big lead. 
on Kansas and missed on some throws of some wide open receivers. And then late there, we actually had, um, you know, one of our great defensive players who's been one of the, the leaders the last several years on this defense, um, drop an interception. That was, that was right to him, a linebacker in Jack Cochran, who spent this preseason with the Kansas City Chiefs and unfortunately couldn't get that and then, uh, had another opportunity to end it. And, um, uh, one of the South Dakota, uh, cornerbacks was flagged for, uh, what we might call a very weak targeting penalty that uh, extended the life for Kansas, and, and uh, obviously that resulted in uh, a touchdown eventually for them on the drive. So, very a uh, uh, lot of opportunities for South Dakota last year. They just didn't go and take it. South Dakota finishes last year seven and five in a trip to the FCS playoffs. You lose in the first round to Southern Illinois, but three wins against top twenty-five opponents. Did that meet or even exceed last year's expectations? You know, I don't know if it exceeded it. I, th- I think they kind of, uh, you know, met their expectations, really, go- going to the playoffs, given an opportunity to uh, try to extend the season. I mean, when you look at, at uh, where South Dakota was last year and the losses that they took, they obviously lose to a Big 12 team. They lose to North Dakota State at the end of the year, um, dealing with a depleted secondary due to injury. And one of the other losses in the middle of the season we actually had our quarterback knocked out in the uh, first quarter on a, a difficult hit that uh, caused a shoulder injury and played with a walk-on quarterback the rest of the way in that game. So, I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, they played uh, very good football and, and kind of uh, met their expectations. Uh, some some question marks with uh, some areas of that football team, and we saw a lot of guys step up. So, um, you know, unfortunately, injuries got up to them at the end of the year, and and uh, had a really tough trip to Fargo, fell behind early, and, and obviously North Dakota State's extremely good. And then in the uh, um, in the playoffs, just the injuries continued, and then just didn't have uh, just didn't have a game that they had played all season long against Southern Illinois and lost that one. So um, I think a, a season last year that they uh, expected to make the playoffs, felt like they had a good chance to make the playoffs, and and they did, and they hosted a playoff game for the first time in 35 years and, and just the second uh, Division One playoff appearance for us. South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer is our guest. So let's take a look at this year's team for South Dakota. At quarterback, you have a returner in Carson Camp, who is a sophomore. What can you tell me about the type of quarterback that Camp is? Yeah, Carson's a, a pocket passer, and uh, you know he's listed as a sophomore, but thanks to the uh, spring-shortened COVID season that the FCS played. He's got 16 starts under his belt. Uh, the game against Kansas State will be number 17. We played, uh, of course, four games in the spring of 2020, and he really, you know, that was his first game action at the collegiate level and got his feet wet. And then last year, saw some real toughness out of him. He suffered that injury uh, against Illinois State in the middle, middle of October with a bye week. He came back and led the team the rest of the year. Um, kind of showed the way he led the team, you know, against South Dakota State. Uh, they left us one second on the clock, and he threw a 57-yard Hail Mary uh, that was completed for a last-second victory, and he's a guy that continues to grow, a guy that uh, spends a lot of time with offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Ted Schlafke and really understands being a student of uh, of the game. And I think one thing that I've seen this fall out of him that is a really big step is – He's more vocal with the offense, right? He like commands control of the offense a lot more than he has in the past, and and that's part of the, the just the growth and and taking the next step in his journey. So he's a, a guy that loves uh, loves the position, loves the game of football, and, and really wants to make the guys around him better. 
Looking at the rest of the offense, the guys in the trenches and the skill positions, how strong do you feel the talent is going to be around Carson Camp? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think uh, USD will have one of the better running back stables in the, in the country at our level. Uh, Travis Tice, a uh, young man from the state of Kansas, is kind of a leader there. And then Shamari Lawrence is back from a knee injury last year. And Mike Mansaray will be the number three, and he ran for 142 yards in a game last year. So I feel like they can take some pressure off of that. Now the question mark for a lot of our fans, especially on offense, is going to be who's catching passes from Carson Camp. Because if you look at South Dakota's roster, they have Carter Bell back, who had 41 catches last year. And only one other player currently on roster at the wide receiver position caught a pass last season. So we have some young guys who are going to have to step up. Uh, transfer Jamad Monroe from uh, Montana State will be another guy that that they're going to throw into the mix and and see how he does. So uh, there's going to be some guys that have to step up certainly and and a little bit unknown for us. But uh, there's there's absolutely some talent there. They just got to get some game reps and then you'll see South Dakota use some tight ends in this game as well. They'll they'll run out two or three tight ends and in, in different formations and and um, guys like JJ Galbraith who. They think is a extremely athletic tight end. They really like him. Austin uh, Goring has been in the program for a while, so he's there. And then a really big tight end in Zach Witte that they're they're hoping uh, you know can develop into a quality tight end as well. So really, I think the running backs are really good. I think the offensive line, you know, returning four out of five starters from a year ago, uh, should be pretty solid. Uh, the question on the offensive line is going to be um, the depth. They have a lot of talent there. But the depth, the backups just haven't seen a lot of game experience. So it's going to be a little bit learning on the fly offensively. On the other side of the football, John, defensively, what playmakers should we be watching out for? Yeah, I think it starts with uh, Brock Mogensen. He'll be the middle linebacker taking over for Jack Cochran last year. Brock's a uh, phenomenal student of the game. He, uh, he has all the ability in the world to, to be a uh, very high-quality linebacker and a defensive leader. He's going to be good. Um, Brendan Webb, I'm really excited about uh, another Kansas native who will be lining up on the edge on that defensive line. He came in a couple of years ago with his redshirt uh, freshman season and was absolutely tremendous. And then last year was hampered a little bit by injury. He played through some of that. Didn't have the stats that he's capable of due to the injuries, but uh, certainly being healed up, we're really excited to see uh, him. Him and Nick Gates are going to have to be guys who – kind of lead that defensive line uh, for South Dakota this year. So really excited to see how those three continue. Uh, you know, they're, they're all still kind of young experience-wise. So to continue their progression, uh, those three certainly are going to have to be good for this defense. John, I noticed in K-State's game notes that last year, South Dakota was the best kick return team in the FCS last year. They still that talented? We had some ability, certainly. Uh, Wesley Elidor was uh, was a phenomenal kick returner. Uh, he, um, you know, he's got lightning speed if he can get out into the open. And then, um, and then, uh, a lot of times you'll see Carter Bell at at punt return. I don't, you know, South Dakota doesn't return a lot of punts. It doesn't seem like anymore. A lot of fair catches, uh, but certainly a, a lot of uh, ability there. Speaking with South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer, so should this South Dakota 2022 team be a playoff team this year? Well, I, I think uh, I think they feel like they have the talent. I think they feel like they finally have some of the depth that you need and some of the positions to make a run. Um, South Dakota has the toughest schedule in the FCS this year. You know, in addition to playing 
Kansas State after after going to Manhattan. South Dakota will play three of its next four games against the top three teams in the FCS. Wow. Uh, in addition to that, the rest of the schedule, all the home games, Southern Illinois, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, all the home games are against uh, preseason top 25 ranked teams. So um, it's a brutal schedule. It's going to be challenging. It's going to, I think we're going to learn a lot, obviously, you know, uh, about this team very, very early uh, in the season. But uh depending on how they manage the start of the season. You know, they could play really, really good football and be one and four. Um, they could be two and three and actually feel a lot better than what normal, uh, what a lot of people normally would uh, with a two and three record. So I, I think, you know, the, the expectation and the hope is always to make the playoffs. I think they feel like they put uh, a team together that certainly has that ability. Uh, obviously it's a very tough schedule. So we'll see how things kind of play out and, and, uh, you know, everybody gets a schedule and you just got to go play it. So we'll see how the, how the schedule unfolds, but it's important to get off to a, uh, off to a good start and, and just have a good showing at Kansas State. Whether uh, you, you're able to win or if you lose that game, whatever it may be, just got to, uh, you know, play well and, and uh, continue that, that building for the following week, which will take us to Montana. Well, John, I greatly appreciate you educating us on South Dakota football for 2022. And I know you had recently taken over the play-by-play position for the football broadcast. Is this going to be your first trip to Manhattan? Uh, no, this will be, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate. I've been to Manhattan a few times. Um, we've, we've been down there for football before. I was uh, actually on the sidelines for our radio uh, okay. crew in 2018 when South Dakota really feels like they let one get away. And you mentioned the kick return game. That certainly flipped the momentum with a punt return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And I've been down there for basketball, uh, both men and women as well, and have always appreciated going to Manhattan and Kansas State. Uh, I guarantee it's one of the more uh, uh, welcoming communities, I think, uh, that, that we visit. And uh, always greet, people always greet me with a smile and a, and a welcome to K-State. So uh, excited to, to be back in, in Manhattan. Well, John, I look forward to meeting you in the press box on Saturday and safe travels down to Manhattan. I appreciate it very much. Once again, that's South Dakota play-by-play voice John Thayer. Appreciate his time. Coming up in Hour 2 of the game, we're going to be joined right away by Curry Sexton. He's going to help us preview the Wildcats and also give us an update on his NIL collective Troy and DG will talk Big 12 and uh, their latest talks with ESPN and Fox. That came out earlier today. But right now, it's your local news.